I'm going to stop saying the show number in the outro. Right? No. Why not? Say it. Why? Because no one good. does it. It's not that hard. Say the episode number. I don't know what it is. <laughs> look it up. We're multiple ahead. It could be one. We're two ahead. Let me look at the Trello board. Don't you listen to your own podcast? Tom, you should keep all this. This is brilliant. I do want a blooper reel from these. I love the bloopers. Yeah, I hope Tom saves the bloopers. Tom always saves the bloopers. I love how he say I love when he makes the bloopers. The bloopers. That's my favorite part about the weekly Tom. iteration. <laughs> <laughs> is that he saves the bloopers. No, Tom, there's many things to love about you, but I love the way you save the bloopers because I think I'm very funny, it turns out. I think it's 168. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Anyway, Ben, how, how are you, Ben? I'm super good. Super good. That's awesome. Yeah, I made myself a, a solid iced coffee. Nice. Um, a liquid iced coffee. And Did you use the espresso espresso machine? No, I did oh. it by hand. Oh, like my like, my my ancestors did. Like you ground the like coffee my, beans. With well, your fists. let's not get ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't grind them, but I did pour them into an AeroPress and then press them using my own strength. Ah, so I'm good. I'm rested. I'm caffeinated. I'm ready to talk about some stuff. Nice. Let's talk about some stuff. Let's talk about some stuff. Uh, so it's uh, January seventh today. Um, we're getting back from break, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually worked a decent amount over the holidays. Me too. Um, yeah, I came in a couple days where no one was here. That was actually surprisingly productive, or, or probably, I guess, not surprisingly productive when no one's around. It's like, yep. well, I can't really do anything except work. So I ended up working from home, but I was in a similar place of it's like quiet. It stepped back from the immediacy of a lot of things, and uh, it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's productive, although it was also slow uh, in terms of signups, of course. Like yes. a lot of people are not like seeking no. products uh, like like mine, at least. Uh, over the the holidays it makes you feel better or like mine yeah cool and probably everybody else's um yeah so basically i mean we'll get to this later but like mrr is flat since the mm-hmm. last time we recorded but the last time we recorded was two days before christmas uh, and then new year's and all that so i was i'm not totally shocked by that i'm kind of right. like just glad we were able to hold our ground mm-hmm. with because people actually people do manage to cancel things it turns out over cancellations the remain at the level yes i also yeah. noticed that credit cards expire and also there was a huge spike of signups for me on january 1st mm, interesting and i think it's people being like oh as a new year's resolution i should go through all my subscriptions and cancel things i might not be using yep so like normally we see like one or two cancellations a day and we mm-hmm. had 12 interesting i don't uh i'm not sure what i actually saw but i imagine there would have been a similar pattern for me yeah so that was a bit of a bummer but good things are happening. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about where things are going. Cool. So my focus has been mostly on traction stuff. Like, mm-hmm. where do we get more customers? The Ember rewrite. Like, let's just check in on what we're doing. So um, the Ember rewrite uh, or the Ember removal is still in progress. The fabled Ember removal. Yes. God, I, man. <laughs> you know, there's like the common knowledge is like, don't do rewrites. And this isn't even a rewrite. And it yeah. still sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that I have like awesome thought botters that I can pull onto this. Yeah. Uh, and with leaving me free to do other things. But it's I still imagine taking you're, forever. You're probably still having to rotate through people and yes. kind of ramp people into that Correct. process and then Correct. out of and uh, it's great, I think, for both of us that we can pull on the the bench as we call it, uh, pull on the other thought potters that are between projects, but it rotates pretty quickly as well. Yeah. Uh, so it does. Yeah. So yeah, so people aren't aren't as productive as they could be, for sure. But but honestly, even with that that help, it's just still slow. Like I I actually doubled down this week. Now I have two people doing it currently. <laughs> um, you have heard of the mythical man month, right? Yeah. Okay. That's true to a point. I think I think two is generally better than one. I, at least, at least yeah. gives me some redundancy. So when someone inevitably gets pulled onto a client project, they can. Yeah. If you have that overlap and you can have a little more continuity, I think that will probably help with this process. Yeah. So yeah. So there's that, and it's not even really a rewrite exactly. Right. Um, and it's still it's just taking a while. So I don't know, man. I, I hope. 
I was considering that we have one of our questions later is like, you know, are you going to set, what are your goals for next time? And mm -hmm. I don't think launching that is a goal for next time, mm -hmm. like a week from now, but maybe two weeks. Like I think we're, we're getting there. Right. Fingers crossed. That's what I'm hoping. Yep. So that's going on. Um, I, I have been pleased with uh, my ability to keep that moving along. Mm -hmm. I did some of the work on myself actually over the holidays. Like I actually went down and wrote code and so I, stuff, I imagine, tests. I mean, you can see from a feature visible perspective, this is all it is. And then you know how to write Rails. So it's well within your capabilities. Like yeah. Ember is not, that's right. not a skill set you have right now, but Rails would be. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're capable of working on it and you can push it along if needed. But I guess my takeaway is that it's it's not the most important thing to you right now. And basically like the Ember side still works and that's what's running, I assume, until you're ready to cut over. Uh, correct, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, it kind of is the most important thing. It sort of isn't, it sort of isn't. Okay, please please do describe. <laughs> so it's blocking what I think actually is the most important thing, which okay. is changing the pricing. I keep talking to people. What? Why, why is it doing that? Why is it blocking that? Because I don't want to go add that change, make that change in Ember. I don't want to. Isn't don't it just HTML? At the end of the day? No. Uh, no, so it's not like, I, I don't want to just like change one plan price. I want to move to tiered pricing, okay. which has logic changes. Right. Can you be working on that in parallel, though, even if you're not ready? To, like, So there's going to be the Rails backend support for that, and the plan stuff lives in the Rails backend a large amount, I imagine. Mostly, so like, can, yes. Can you have a branch that's running so that you're closer and ready to dive into that? Rather than treating this as fully blocked, can you treat it as, well, I can't launch this, but I can get close? That's interesting. So I, I've been holding off on working on it because I don't want to create more merge conflicts. Mm -hmm. Like I want, when we merge the Ember branch, and I want that to be less, I've been trying to like not do work in master, basically, like not merge new stuff into the rail stuff in master so that it's right. easier. But maybe it would be okay. I mean, my, uh, my understanding is that the Ember to Rails transition is primarily on the front end. So if you're doing the back end support, well, particularly with like plan stuff, right? It's, I guess it is most, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's mostly views and controllers. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess my, I, I find myself in this position often as well, where I'm like, well, I can't work on that because of X. Mm -hmm. And when I look back in retrospect, like the Git course for me was an example of this, where I did things very serially and looking back, I actually could have been working on a bunch of things in parallel and that would have moved it along really powerfully. Mm. Um, so it's a thing that I have in the back of my head now. It's like, am I sure I need to do that in serial? And just kind of keep checking that Are question. You super serial right now. <laughs> super serial. Super duper serial. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Okay, I like that. Something to think I about. Should, I don't yeah, understand I should at least it look into it and see yeah. what might be involved because, yeah, the fact that the Ember thing is blocking the pricing thing is really killing me. Yeah, I mean, if you're saying that's the most important thing, then anything you can do to move towards that seems useful. So finding where that might be could be fun. So yeah, so I. I'm I'm hoping that I'm right about the pricing being actually most important. Uh, so th this is my this is what I'm seeing from talking to people. The more mm. people I talk to, the more it seems like we're just out of whack. We need the tiers. Yep. The people that we want are not being served by the current pricing. So yeah. Um, I know I got have a lot to do in terms of like finding channels and getting the traction and attracting more people. And there's always a million things you can do to improve on. Um, but I'm thinking this is going to be the biggest lever right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, so Ember's in progress. I like your idea of starting the pricing. That's good. I might even just spin up a little branch and, and spike, try to spike this out and just see what it would look yeah. like. Because maybe it won't even touch the same stuff and I exactly. can even get it merged earlier. Yeah. I know I, need, I would need to make changes in the Ember to get the pricing deployed, mm -hmm. but maybe it's not that much. So that is almost certainly blocked, but I think right. like the 80% of the, the iceberg under the water there is probably accessible to you. I think you right. Because so. right, it's mostly real. It's just going to be futzing around with the models a little bit. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay, that's good. 
This is why we do this. This is why we do this. This is useful. You, you're pretty good at programming and stuff. <laughs> um, Thanks, Ben. Yeah. So did that. Um, and my other major things are uh, moving us forward on content marketing stuff. So some good things are happening there. I have a blog post in the works uh, that actually one of my goals for next time is to publish it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Formkeep just crossed a million submissions. Hey-o. So people have sent us a million things over the internet. And uh, I decided to try to find, inspired by the Priceonomics uh, content marketing thing that we talked about last time, they're all about writing about your data. And so I was like, what would be interesting? And so uh, the the topic I've decided on is to try to detect when people have typoed their email address uh, when they send it to us and break down for the top three email providers, web email providers, which people typo their email address Mm -hmm. most frequently. Or how they typo it most frequently, or sure, okay, something like that. Yep. Uh, right now, I I have just how often. So you, at this point, you have one million email addresses. I actually have about five hundred thousand. Okay. So not every submission contains contains right. an email address, and there's probably a couple non-uniques in there. That sort of actually thing. a bunch. Yeah. So there's yeah. about seven hundred thousand emails, and then with uniqueness, it's about five hundred thousand. Okay. And so then taking that data set and applying some. Fancy algorithms to that to figure some things out. Mega fancy. Slevenstein distance. That's fan- it's got a fancy name, man. It sounds fancy. It's uh, not as fancy it's, as it's it pre- It's pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, it's basically like a string distance algorithm. Right. Uh, so it's like if, if to go from Gmail and to, to like Gmail with missing, Gmai with missing an L right. is one. You need like one insertion or one deletion or uh, transposition is actually two operations because you basically mm-hmm. have to like delete and then insert. Right. So this is what's used for spell checks and things like that. Did you mean this word? That's how it decides on what the options are. I, get, I mean, I, I imagine you get more sophisticated if you're doing a real spell checker. Um, but this was kind of like good enough for me. Vim Spellchecker probably uses this. Uh, maybe. Is my guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of this, it's a very straightforward string distance algorithm. Like how close is this string to that string? Right. Uh, so I basically ran that for all our emails um, that we had and tried to find things that looked like reasonable typos. And I did a little bit of heuristic stuff too, um, or just sort of human heuristic where I was like, okay, I'm going to not count things as a, t- if you, if for me to count this as having been you trying to type Gmail, mm-hmm. you have to start with the G. Or Hotmail has to start with an H. Right. Just because I think humans are pretty good at the first letters of things. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's too, uh, too many other domains like Ymail. Yeah. That it's like, let's just, let's make sure you start with the right yeah, one. Yeah, false positives and all of that. Uh, I think that that sounds really, uh, so like the unique data set that you have there. And I'm now trying to apply that to Upcase and see like, do I have any unique data? And I don't necessarily have the data specifically, but I'm realizing I have a unique audience. Uh-huh. And then I can interact with that audience. And I think one that might actually be really interesting for me is to check with the audience, do some sort of survey and say like, what do you think are your blind spots? You're an aspiring developer. Mm-hmm. What do you think you're missing? Mm-hmm. And basically mathematically quantify the... Uh, what's the term imposter syndrome basically say like you think there's a big old blob of knowledge that everyone has that you uniquely are missing but here's kind of mathematic not mathematically but here's the aggregated view of i don't know three thousand people that i was able to survey in the upcase landscape and see what they think and so here are the common things most people do think this is important and know it you maybe want to look into that, but you're missing this or, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so the, the, the Pricenomics people say you should sort of think about either data you have exclusive access to mm-hmm. or people. Right. Uh, so you could do some interesting stuff there. Yeah, I think. I think Especially so. with the ThoughtBot brand behind you. Yep. Um, like other things I've thought about for FormKeep are like, are there interesting programmer people, designer people, you know, interview, like we, I think like so static site generators are a big thing for us yep. so interview you know three static site generator maintainers or something yeah you know, there's like there's different things that you can do that don't have to be exactly crunching data absolutely 
Um, but so I'm working on this post, and by the way, interestingly, people uh, from Hotmail typo their email address 40% more often than people from Gmail. That's a fun piece. <laughs> That's interesting, right? That is. That's like kind of noteworthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it plays into your bias. It does. At least the bias I am assuming you have because I share it. Don't project, Ben. Um, so like, I think that's kind of like an interesting little nugget takeaway there. I mean, that's exactly, I think, the sort of things that you can find. And then there's probably the slightly more practical ones where there, there are tools that can offer to help kind of fix this. Right. But now you're going to have a better data set potentially mm-hmm. to plug into the algorithm that then makes those recommendations. Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, like you, what you're touching on is like there's there's interesting things you can do on the client side. It's yeah. like, did you mean to type? Yeah, hotmail, hotmail, or something like. What, what were you trying to do here? Right. Uh, that will save because overall, by the way, the error rate was about one point something percent. So like one point six percent of people trying to type hotmail.com fail. So that is that so specific that's, that's to real. hotmail or is that speci- is that's that hotmail. the the aggregate? Hotmail is one one point six. Mm-hmm. Gmail is like one point something whatever. So if you add those up, we're looking at a bigger aggregate. So given a you know. There's 100% of people submitting email addresses. Mm-hmm. Is it 3 to 4% that are typoing according to your data? Uh, I only looked at those three big email providers. So, But among them, we have a total of like 5% of, or 3, 4, yeah, about 4% total uh, failure to type correctly, hmm. which is real money. I mean, anywhere, 1% is a big deal. So yeah. you're saying that definitely, and it might even be a little bit bigger. So that yeah, that's a big deal, and yeah. helping fix that is a big deal. So. so I think there's some interesting things. Also, the one thing I want to play with, I'm curious about, is capital letters in email addresses. <laughs> Are you more likely to type out your email address if you use capital letters? I'm, I have a guess. <laughs> we'll I, ha- I also have a guess, yes. Uh, also, don't have capital letters in your email addresses. Yeah, but there's interesting things, cool. too. Like people will actually double dot. Gmail dot dot com, mm, Gmail space com. Gmail would be fine with dot dot or no dot dot com. That would not work. But the dots on the other side. Sure, because Gmail side. does its magic. But yeah, I don't look at the the front part of the, right. the email because I can't do anything with that. Yeah, so this is kind of cool. I think there's some. I think that's an interesting takeaway. Yeah, or an interesting like uh, conclusion, and I might be able to find a couple other interesting things in the data. Uh, and so I'm I'm excited to see uh, if how this blog post does because yeah. I'm going to publish it. So my basically one of my goals for next week is to publish that and also then try to promote the hell out of it yeah got that on the hacker news and all of that even more like i mean pressonomics recommends you email 50 journalists per thing you write wow yeah uh so you're going deep on the content marketing i have to try it you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna invest the heavy time and see how it goes right uh simultaneously i have hired pressonomics uh so (laughs) (laughs) so i'm doing an experiment the experiment goes even deeper which is i'm tracking my own time adventures in outsourcing well possibly it's actually a competition so I am writing this piece, uh, and I'm tracking my time, and I'm going to see what my results are. And I've also hired them to do it. And so it's like, who can? Let's see who can write the better piece of content marketing. Now, how are you going to measure better? Uh, people that sign up after they read it, I guess. Are you going to A/B test the posts? No, 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 not A/B test. It's just like for. I mean, all the people like we can tag people that hit the blog, or that come to us from that blog post, from each blog post. So I, I don't understand that each blog post. So you're going to have two different versions of this on the internet? No, no, no. Two different blog posts. Different blog posts. Yeah. Based off of the same data. But no. Then- well, whole, whole new blog posts. I'm going to write about topic A. They're going to write about topic B. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then we'll see who which post gen- over time generates more signups. So is this you trying to decide whether or not it's valuable for you to invest your time because you're uniquely good at writing blog posts or if you should be delegating that? Basically, yep. I like that. I think that's mathematically quantifying whether this is the most important thing for you to be doing. That's a that's an intense approach, but I like it. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it because it's yeah, I agree. 
it'll be interesting to see because it's also because there's a cost of my time and also a co- and, and then a cost for them to do it. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, maybe my post does 10% better, but theirs cost me no time, but it does cost me right. five grand or whatever. So like, and it turns okay, out how much is it worth? with content, producing a bunch of it is often a big part. Like great content, very important, but also often you need a body. You need a bunch of pieces over time. And so very interested to hear how all of those go. That's a bunch of fun stuff. There's There's more. There's, there's more content marketing happening. Let's go deeper. Audience Ops talked about this last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have just finished their first blog post uh, that's ready to go live. I think I'm going to put that on on Monday about uh, like why you might want to use a static site generator. Mm-hmm. It's, it's written towards a somewhat technical audience. Uh, so it's like you kind of know what a CMS is and you sort of know what HTML is and mm-hmm. all that. You're probably not a programmer programmer. So you're deciding between like, do I want to go WordPress or Joomla or, oh, I guess I could go static site as a third option. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it kind of talks about the pros and cons of static right. sites and what which ones you might want to check out and mm-hmm. all that. And uh, it's the first thing I've seen them, it's from them and it's it's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's an A+. Um, I'd say it's a B minus A minus or B plus A minus somewhere in there. I found a typo, which was, I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> you're a stickler. Uh, I remember stickler. how you tore apart all my copies. God, so. I'm a stickler for that, and they have an editor, so I want to let them know that that's. Uh, I have high standards for that kind of thing. You do. This stuff drives me bonkers, uh, but that's okay. Overall, the post is pretty good, so I'm like uh, positive. I'm thinking positively about it. Um, so it's cool. We have a lot of stuff go. Oh, and also content marketing. <laughs> Uh, I you asked me last time uh, we were talking about the static site generator guides. Yep, outsourced them. Nice. Um, yep. So that's gonna should be done Monday as well. So with any luck, I should be able to publish like four guides for using FormKeep with uh, the four most popular static site generators after Jekyll. Also a blog post on why you might want to use a static site generator on the FormKeep blog. Also finishing up my blog post and uh, I have a meeting tomorrow on Friday uh, with Priceonomics to figure out what our topic is going to be. That's a lot of stuff. So the content pipeline is flowing. So I imagine you're going to space out the actual release and publishing of those over some amount of time and try and like tweet and push. That's probably a good idea. Because if you're saying you want to push these pretty hard, which it sounds like that's one of the investments that you want to try making one of the tests, Uh I would suggest spacing them out and, you know, this one's launched on this day, and I spend the rest of the day pushing it, depending on how much you want to push any individual one. Yeah. I mean, I guess with the static site generator pieces, those are intended to be more of a long-tail organic Correct. SEO driver type Correct. thing, whereas the the one that you wrote, the data analysis one, sounds like it's more of a let's get this viral, let's make this pop. Mm-hmm. And that one definitely sounds like it deserves more of an investment in trying to push the launch of it, whereas the others you could be like, and one each day, and there we go, they're out. Basically, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Did we talk about Edgar on the podcast, or was that just a separately account? Uh, um, I don't know, but I'm going to talk about stuff like that so we can, okay, we can cool. bounce back. So to my that. plan is I want to I want to get all this. I I'm going to sign up. I want to get all this loaded in there too. Right. Now that we have like interesting things to tweet and what post about, uh, we need to start doing that regularly. So I'm well, I guess yeah. Let's briefly mention what Edgar is. Um, yeah. So uh, the thing that sucks about doing uh, social media marketing is that you got to kind of keep putting stuff out there. You and do. It's an endless treadmill. So what if instead you built a library of like really high quality posts or tweets or posts or whatever? Uh, and it cycled through that. Well, that's Edgar. That is Edgar. MeetEdgar.com, I yep. believe. Uh, by Laura Roeder, who was actually on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Very exciting. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we're, I'm going to try that out uh, now that we have some great stuff to talk about. But I'm pretty excited. Like the content stuff is really shaping up. Yeah. Um, I have not been excited about our current rate of signups. So I'm happy to be like pushing on this problem. Right. It feels good. So one last thing that's probably worth talking about. Um, I did some goal setting as well. So I took a whole day, just about, ah. um, or at least a half a day, and did um, laid out my 2016. Um, and I stole this uh, approach. Personal or both. form keep? Okay, so work all and, the things. Work yeah. and personal. Um, and I stole this from Mitch somebody. 
Oh, we'll get it afterwards. I'll yeah. tell Tom what it is. But I stole this from the internet, a guy, Mitch somebody. I got to get his name. Uh, thanks, Mitch. Sorry about your last name. Uh, who writes this, these great posts? And this is his personal system, which is uh, what I ended up with is um, a Trello board uh, where the lanes are months hmm. uh, for the whole year. And I have a bunch of categories, like there's fitness, and then there's you know work, and then there's other things. Right. Um, and for each of those categories, I, I label it so I can kind of see like the, you know, I had a reasonable distribution of colors and a reasonable mm-hmm. distribution of tasks per month. Uh, and I'm excited. I think it's kind of a nice system. So I added that to my weekly, like checking in on that to my weekly review process. Right. I have a checklist for how I do my weekly reviews. Yep. And now that's one of my items. Like go check out the Trello board. Are you making progress on the long-term goals? Yep. Because I use OmniFocus for the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Love that. You do too. Or I know you use it. I don't know if you love it. You're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. You, you want to make your own thing because... I yeah. don't want to, but I think I need to because that voice in the back of my head. Anyway, I like yes. that you think it's not a want but a need. Uh, I've tried to shut it up so many times. Yeah, and yeah. I had one and I killed it and I went to OmniFocus and nah. But I understand that's who I am and I've I've pushed it off. I'm still on OmniFocus for now. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to build your perfect to-do system, that seems like a fun task. Like you're a programmer, go do it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good way to test new toys as well. New like programming languages. I'll probably try it in React and some of the other things. Do Maybe Elm. Do React Native Elm. and Elm because I get back ends and front ends and things. I can do all the stuff, man. Cool. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so OmniFocus is my day to day, like mm-hmm. you know, simple stuff, and then the this this trello board now is my what's my 2016 look like and i really like having that high level yeah view actually i think it's really cool i bounce back and forth between how uh how well i implement it but i have a similar thing where i have an annual review that i do every year and then that define that writes up a document that says here's what i want to do in the coming year and then i've tended to be pretty bad with checking back in with that so i've now defined particularly a, a monthly review which mm. most of it is just go read the entirety of that annual review mm. And check in with that and kind of, you know, repoint the ship sort of thing. And then for the rest of it, it's basically in the weeds. Weekly review is like, how are the projects that I've committed to going, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I made a che- like an actual checklist finally for my weekly mm-hmm. review. Man, what a difference that makes. Huge, huge that difference. so nice. And now I have a place to hang that task. Yep. As opposed to like, oh, every week I should make sure I check in on the Trello boards. Like now it's just another item on my checklist. Yep. God, I, I really like having it. Checklists are amazing. Yep. I'm a big, big fan of checklists. I have a shell shortcut for opening up my weekly review checklist. Of course, Obviously. why wouldn't you? Yeah, so <laughs> it's just, I, I feel good. Feeling good. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of good stuff. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that you mm. mentioned last time. It's been two weeks, so I think we're both, and we went through the holidays. So well, One last yeah. thing, that I, my, one of my goals, for, my final goal for the last time we talked was to do more user testing of the sign-up, right. which I have not done, but okay. that, that I think I will, I will be doing soon. Cool. Yeah. Well, that was fun. There's uh, yeah, some good stuff, and I think you know, hopefully this, this works for all the listeners as well, um, but each time you talk about things that you're doing, I'm like, ah, how, how can I do that? What, what can I take of that? Uh, and it's interesting because we have, I'd say, very different structure of business that we're working on. Yours is get people to sign up, and they're probably going to stay for a long time. Mine is a, a much more churn-heavy, but content-focused, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the similarities are also really interesting. Uh, so let's talk about what I did. Um, I'd committed to a few things, I think. Uh, I lost my card for a while that I had written down, and then I got scared that I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Mm. Uh, but I was doing stuff anyway and just hoping it was the right stuff. Uh, anyway, I just barely snuck in under the wire, but I got everything that I wanted to done. Nice. The first was uh, we had a pretty major and growing issue on our exercise system. Mm-hmm. So Upcases uh, has a lot of video content, but it also has a custom Git-based exercise system. So you go, you say you want to work on a particular exercise, say it's one about refactoring. We'll create you a repository for that. We'll actually clone the repository. You pull that down locally, work on it, 
push that back up, and then we'll uh, take a look at that, render the diff, allow people to do inline commenting. You can compare your solution to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an interesting differentiator for Upcase. Uh, people seem to like it. It gives them, uh, it's, it's a much more hands-on kind of working with things. I think it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a bunch of code there. We, we had to write a bunch of code to make this work. Uh, so this is not using GitHub. This is a custom, uh, it's built on top of a, a tool called Gitalite, which manages the permissions and actually uh, handling all of the repos. Mm-hmm. But the problem was this is all managed through SSH keys. So whenever a user starts using the exercise system for the first time, they need to upload their SSH key. And that's how we verify who they are and authenticate and allow them to push and pull. And slowly over time, what used to be a, I don't know, 10 second operation to add an SSH key has drifted to, I believe it maxed out around nine minutes. Mm. So a given user says, I'm going to upload my SSH key. To them, they're pasting some text into a text box. Seems pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And the system basically times out for nine minutes. There's basically just a little upcase arrow blinking saying, we'll be right with you. Uh, And even our copy there, we're we're using WebSockets to continually pull. We're implying a certain immediacy. Mm -hmm. And that had just really drifted and gotten out of hand. Uh, Even worse than that is any other operation. If someone was pushing up code, if they had been working on an exercise, nothing related to the SSH key adding. If someone else had added an SSH key, that would block all operations. Mm -hmm. It was basically a single queue due to the nature of Gitalite. And that's, it it was just like one one thread in the world. Yeah, because... How many cores on that machine? (laughs) The system, we could probably find ways to handle it, but... This shouldn't really be a problem. None of these operations right. should take long. Adding There's, a public key is like adding a line to a file. It's right? literally adding a line to the SSH authorized keys file. Uh, but it had just grown, and we, we just had no idea what was going on. So I spent some time with Joe. Then I spent some more time with Joe. Joe is our CTO here at ThoughtBot, and he designed the exercise system or built out a lot of it back when. Uh, just kept pushing on it and could not get this thing to move. Nothing would change it. Uh, had a frustrating experience with our staging environment. It wasn't quite mapping to production. Mm. So we had a false negative and then a whole bunch of things happened there. Finally, we found it. There was a particular configuration line that said whenever someone upload, whenever someone changes the admin configuration, so adding an SSH key fits into that, go over every single repo. So every clone that has ever happened, which is this number that just keeps going up. It's probably in the tens of thousands right now and mm-hmm. it will keep going up. Loop over each one, and for each one, run a series of shell commands to configure the Git repo. Hmm. It's basically uh, the system didn't know what had changed, so it was just like, I'll just make sure everything's good. Hmm. Uh, Turns out we don't use that functionality at all. I went in, put in a single comment line. I commented out that command, basically. Mm -hmm. And now it runs in like 10 seconds, and consistently, and I believe it has no more uh, growth characteristic to that time. It's a constant time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that was... uh, it had this kind of weird effect where I was really down and out about it because this is a deeply broken thing about our system mm-hmm. and getting worse over time. And I just could not get past, I couldn't fix it. I, I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I fixed it, I was equally elated. I was nice. like, yes, got it. Ah, oh, finally. Uh, so really, really happy that that got pushed do, through. Do you know what you had right there? Scaling issues. I had scaling issues, man. You were too big. Too big to fail? No? Is that not what? No, I failed. No, you, could, uh, you could definitely still fail. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, that uh, unfortunately took a lot of the time in the last week, but got it done. And that's done. I can. I, I feel confident that I can kind of say, uh, God, I hope it doesn't come back, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to. Do you have any thoughts about adding monitoring to that so you know if that ha- comes back? I mean, we do have monitoring. I could see in New Relic what those times were. Um, I mean, like alerting or something? Um, potentially. Uh, yeah, that's definitely... So there's a lot of things that could come out of this as additional work. Mm-hmm. 
trying to fix this problem, I found that the staging server for Whetstone, uh, Whetstone is the other name for it, the exercise system, was not did not have parity with the production system. Similarly, there's actually the whole Git management, all the repositories. Staging does not have a representative sample of those. So I can pull the database across, but the database is not everything. Mm -hmm. It's actually, in this case, it was strictly a function of the number of repositories, and staging just has a minuscule number compared to production. Mm -hmm. So it's another way that it's just not representative. So there's a lot of stuff that could come out of this and probably should. Um, likely, my thinking is somewhere down the road, I need to book Joe for a week on the project, and he and I just kind of go crazy and fix a bunch of stuff and upgrade and maybe add some monitoring. And mm -hmm. But for now, I'm kind of I got through this particular issue, and otherwise the exercise system performs very well. It uh, does everything we want it to. It per it's performant in that. Um, so I'm going to kind of step away for mm -hmm. a little while. Mm -hmm. uh, it, like I said, it took up more of my time than I wanted. Yeah. I, I asked because like, I noticed the other day that we have a bunch of uh, jobs on FormKeep that have gotten kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. And they're not high, pri high priority jobs, but I guess they don't die. They're not set to die. or maybe they're not set to die fast enough. Right. Like They don't fail in the way that I would want them to. Yeah. Uh, but I have no... There's, I have no insight into the del delayed job queue until I go poke at it and yeah. I'll be like, oh, what is that? And then go look. And I was thinking, like, it'd be nice if I had an email anytime this job yeah. exceeded some number. Yeah, things like logging and analytics and monitoring, I don't have, and I don't, I, I've not really heard anyone that can just authoritatively say, oh, you definitely need to do it in this way with this amount of coverage and this mm -hmm. will get you there. The, the sort of way that I feel I could talk about testing or you could talk about testing or other you know, kind of architectural design stuff, I can talk with a lot more authority and I can think of a lot of people that could talk with a lot more authority about that. My experience has been that the rest of that stuff, analytics, monitoring, like I think we actually do an okay job with it, but I don't know anyone who's got that just locked down and like, yeah, no, we know everything that's going on and we feel super good about it. Well, yeah. We can get better. I just think I, I'm I totally highly think. amateur at it. Uh, like I, I'm, I've happily outsourced pretty much everything to Heroku mm -hmm. and taken a very hands-off approach. And so like the DevOps world to me is not something I focus on. So right. like, I'm going to be bad at that basically. There's definitely an amount that I think via Heroku and things like that, we don't, we've not skilled up around it. So there's, yeah. there's better that we can get totally. I agree with that. But I do feel it's more of a unique case-by-case -case thing than other development architecture things. At least in my mind, that's how it, it works mm -hmm. out. But I, I might be. It might just be that's my bias on this. So yeah, I feel like if if I were a DevOps person, I would say we need to at least do these ten things, kind of thing, right away, or these five things. Do you, you know, know a DevOps person that could come in and analyze both of our systems and tell us that? I mean, we could definitely find somebody. Maybe we should do that. Uh, hey, last time I or one of the earlier times I asked on Twitter, like, hey, if you have some feedback uh, on the new format, let me know. And we mm -hmm. got a really good response from people. Yeah. So if you would like to take a crack at uh, <laughs> the five basic things that like every person should do, even if they run on Heroku. Get in touch with me on Twitter. Reach out and like maybe we'll record it and maybe, give yeah. you some props or publicity or whatever you want or money even <laughs> just to do some some basic stuff. Anyway, what an amazing sell, Ben. Yeah, you know. I'm uh, but nonetheless, I, I I think you're probably right. We have a blind spot around that, and uh, we could use some education. It's one of the many things though in in growing a business like this that it's like I actually have a bunch of those blind spots, and mm -hmm. I assume so do you. And hopefully, we'll you know get rid of them. But mm -hmm. here we are. That's why we got to work with people that know what they're doing. That's the game. Mm -hmm. Got to figure out where our deficiencies are. What so else? anyway, fix that. That was awesome. Congrats. Next was the checkout. The checkout has also been kind of a thorn in my side. It, um, I just wasn't quite making progress on it. it. It felt like an important thing. This is the end of our subscription funnel. This is where people decide whether or not to actually give us money. And that page was very blank. It was very stark. Mm -hmm. um, didn't have anything in the way of kind of conversion wording or images or things like that. 
but going to work on it, I just kept kind of hitting little walls and mental blocks and things. Um, so I tried a couple of different things, which eventually helped me get through it. Uh, the first was I decided I needed to split the work that I had initially defined into two different buckets and tackle the first. So I had thought of this whole big whiz-bang thing where if you show up and you're not signed in in any way, you just see a big yellow GitHub button, sign in with GitHub, and then you go to a second step after the OAuth flow, and that's where you do the sign, uh, the actual credit card stuff. Okay. Um, currently, the form or the like, the previous iteration of it had a form for you to fill out all of your info or click a GitHub button and the credit card. So it was all one page, one single interaction. Yep. I was trying to solve that, trying to make that transition and do the updates to the copy and add some images and things like that all at once. Mm. And I found that those two were kind of orthogonal ideas uh, and I could break them apart. And when I, the minute I had that thought, it became really clear to me the work that needed to be done and the first more, like the more meaningful set of things to attack first. Uh, so that's what I did. I broke it apart. I've pushed back on the GitHub button part and now I've just gone to work on that page uh, made a number of copy changes, added a nice picture of you and I, actually. We, we do look um, nice. We do. Uh, I had to have Tom go search the archives to find a good picture well, of us. Well, we try to say. Uh, we actually never look at the camera, it turns out. We talk to each other when we're recording. That's true. So And now. And now. But so we got, got some nice stuff in there. Uh, just deployed that actually right now. Uh, or just before coming in here. And uh, I'm happy with where we got to. It's It's very much a work in progress, I'd say. But in the sense of get an initial redesign out there, it's out there. And the other thing is this gives us a foundation to test. There weren't really elements on that page before that we could test hmm. uh, in the sense of like VWO, go in and modify the DOM. I'm I'm a fan, I'm biased towards that kind of testing because it's kind of hands off from the code. Mm-hmm. I don't need to modify the code. I can talk to our marketing team and say, let's run a test on the checkout page. And frankly, we're gonna start one very soon based on this being implemented now. Uh, but there were no elements that we could, you know, modify this headline or change out this image or, you know, enhance this font. So you want to pull out the sign? Have you, you haven't done the GitHub thing? On I've not page done yet? the GitHub thing. Okay, cool. You're probably going to touch this. There's a link. There's a big link on the checkouts page to sign in if you already have an account. Yep. That would be awesome to just kill. Yeah. So one of the other things that definitely did happen is I killed every other link on that page. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything in the header, gone. Everything in the footer, gone. Uh, Once you get to this page, you have reached the end of your journey. Please check out. Or the top left link, the logo link, is still active because I don't want it to actually be a dead end. This looks a lot better. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it as an iteration. It's the first step heading that way. And the other thing that made me much more comfortable with taking a stab at... Uh, basically just kind of modifying the copy and things is actually the majority of people are already logged in, especially with auth to access and the new stuff where we're giving away free samples of the videos. Yep. Almost no one comes to the site and goes immediately to the checkout page without doing anything else mm. and then signs up. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost everyone is signed in already. So I looked at what that state of the page looks like. Yeah. And that gets rid of the bigger form. And all that's left is the credit card form. It's like, oh, I can work with this. This is a thing. That's good. So uh, I'm really happy with like I struggled for a bit and then I found a way to simplify and change the task and then I was able to push through. Uh, I also struggled a bit though because I'm not really a designer. I did my best. I got it to a place that I was okay with but there were some elements that needed some help. Uh, so today I actually met with one of our designers. He gave me a little bit of guidance on well maybe you know change this spacing and uh, a little bit of font change here and there uh, and that got me to the place that I was comfortable enough in the design with the plan that we'll come back and kind of iterate on what's there. Cool. So another one, literally, like just before we walked in Congrats here. Congrats on shipping it. I like Thank that it's live you. in the world. Yes. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy with that. It ain't done until somebody can pay for it. That's the game. So the one thing I'll say is I didn't end up introducing this as a split test. This is uh, 
hard and fast change. Mm -hmm. Some of the reasons we discussed last time, but there's some complexity around this. We'd have to do split URLs and already these pages are a little more brittle than I'd like and there's a little more complexity. And frankly, in the sense of testing, we, myself and the marketing team that I'm working with, were confident enough in these updates. They were just kind of right up the middle core conversion optimization logic. So we felt good. We felt strong enough in them and especially with them as a foundation. So this page, even if it's you know 95% to the 100% of the old one, which we don't think is the case, we can definitely build this into a better page. Mm -hmm. I'm certain of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but nonetheless, your, your comments definitely weighed on me and I thought about it a number of times. That also probably gave me some of the uh, difficulty in getting it done because I was like, oh man, should this be a test? The answer is yes, it should be, but you know, we make decisions and mm -hmm. get stuff done. Mm -hmm. uh, the I'm last gonna keep bugging you about that in the future though. You absolutely should. I fully welcome that. Uh, and actually, I mean, part of it is to get to a place where we're testing. Mm -hmm. So in the sense, I'm not saying like, I don't like testing. I'm saying I'm making what I believe to be a 51% versus 49% decision in mm -hmm. favor of not testing in this case, but definitely testing all the time, all the places. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's always going to be harder to run the test. Like you're never going to be like, oh, well, this is a pretty easy test to run. Let's just do that instead. Like it's always going to be more work. Yep. Yeah. But that's the right. difference between science and alchemy, basically. Or, you know, yeah. kind of hoping it's better, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, we're also colored a little bit by the changes that we made to the landing page. Mm -hmm. So we did implement that as a split URL server-side managed A-B test. And it ran for a number of weeks and actually became, it was a null test. Mm -hmm. they were basically, the two pages were equal. But eventually we called it in favor of the new version of the page because again, it was giving us more elements that we could then iterate on. Mm -hmm. From there, the marketing team ran with that, ran a whole bunch of VWO stuff. And I talked about this in the, the first of this series of our podcast. But with that, we were able to get to a place. So I'm thinking of this as kind of like the foundation, let, let's lay the foundation for testing. But nonetheless, yeah, let's please continue to uh, remind me that I should be testing all the time. Okay. Uh, what's the Brian Lyles test all the mm -hmm. all the freaking time? Mm -hmm. That. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, third thing was, I'm not exactly sure how I worded it, but it was loosely the idea of analytics. Get a better idea of where our analytics are at. Uh, so we did that. I'm pretty happy with specifically what we did on that. So there's a couple of aspects. Um, one is we got a tour of Google Analytics with our marketing team. They showed us around and gave us kind of a better sense of what we're tracking, what we're looking for. Uh, and we also set up an automated report that comes through now every Thursday morning, kind of in line with this podcast. Mm. So I can see how's uh, traffic been, what are the pages that have been particularly popular. Nice. Uh, again, it's it's a first iteration. I mm -hmm. want to get to a place where I have more of a week over week view right. rather than what do the past seven days look like. But it's a start. So I'm happy with that. Additionally, poked around with a few other things, looking at uh, drip for emails. I'm realizing that the body of emails that I have is actually a pretty valuable asset in the world of Upcase um, from a long-term kind of marketing and getting people to subscribe thing. So I'm, I have that now as part of my analytics set of tabs that I open slash dashboard. The body of emails? Uh, the, the subscriber list oh, okay. that we have. In, yeah, your email list. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a better term email, for mailing it. List. Yeah. Similarly, poked around at a few things and found some holes in our analytics. So Mixpanel is what we use as one of our mechanisms for uh, taking a look at the data that we get, all of the events that go out and trying to make sense of it. So one of the things that I can see is we're not sending over the data as to the type of user that takes an action. So users can be a guest mm. in our world. They can be a sampler. That means they're signed in, but they're not a subscriber. 
or they can be a subscriber. Mm -hmm. So it's any one of those three. And recently we've actually made this shift where a lot of our content is now free or a, a portion of our content is free and people are hitting that pretty hard, mm -hmm. which has completely skewed some of the metrics. Mm. Particularly one of the things that I did find that I really like is I can now visualize the drop off in a given uh, course. So say for mm -hmm. the Tmux mm -hmm. course, I can see, well, in the past six months, 500 people watched or 500 times the first video was touched, then 400, then three, then two, then two, then two. Mm. And so there's a shape to that curve. And actually each of the courses has a unique shape, which is really interesting to me. But I wanna take that information and probably automate some sort of email sequence that says, if you make it to four, but not past, then I send you an email that says actually video seven, that's, that's my favorite of the videos that I made for this course. You should really check that one out. Even if you ignore the others, hmm. come back and you know keep going. Sure, um, just re-engage people basically. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, but so we do have a hole in the analytics and that we don't have that data about the subscribers. So that's an action that's coming out of this. Uh, additionally, exercises right now are reported from the exercise system, actions on that, but mm -hmm. not relative the trail that they're part of. So pretty soon we'll be launching our first trail that takes that has both video and exercise content interleaved, and I won't be able to see that same drop-off visualization for that. So that's a gap right now that I want to fix before that course goes live. Basically, we have the information getting passed from the exercise system back, so I just need to hook up a little bit of analytics there. Yep. But so I feel good about kind of the view I have between bare metrics from a kind of monetary standpoint, mixed panel from what are users doing in the system, Google Analytics from overall traffic and, you know, sources, and then Twitter and Drip for the relative kind of user bases that we have in the, the marketing channels. That's another thing where I feel like, you, you, and you said it actually, analytics. Analytics are tough to get right. Yes. It's like, that, that's another place I feel we could use a little once over. The, there was a time you and I, uh, we spent like a few afternoons, I'd say like four or five months ago, and we put in some effort. We restructured a lot of the analytics code in Upcase itself, and mm -hmm. we started sending a whole bunch of new events. And those have been incredibly useful, and I'm so grateful that we have them because you can't get that data back. Like the thing that I've just identified where I don't know the user type, I can't backfill it. Mm. The, it's done. The events are ephemeral. And so we capture them, they're in segment, but I can't backfill whether a user was a, a subscriber. I maybe could if I wanted to go crazy, but basically I need to implement this and then I have that data looking forward. Yep. So really finding those points and kind of tweaking it and getting the system to a place that it's giving you valuable, actionable information is tricky, iterative, like anything else, but I'm, I'm happy with kind of the two actions that are coming out of this and the overall picture that I have right now. Cool. So that's fun. Let's see what else. A couple of kind of lower level SEO things that we're working on. Adding a little bit more copy to all of the trail and topic pages with a little bit of uh, one of those magic links for read more and expand down and then close back up. Hmm. Um, so that's Google loves that information. That lets us hit more keywords and things like that. But also uh, I have a very kind of firm rule in my mind of I don't write stuff just for Google. Yeah. But that said, it's very easy to write that content so it's relevant to a user as well. And I think like if you look at the Vim page right now, it says something about it's a text editor first introduced in 1981. We didn't try perhaps as hard as we should on that page. Mm -hmm. So iterating on the content on each of those pages so that it's relevant to users and to Google, that seems like a valuable thing. Uh, and a couple of other similar things there. The other thing, this is something that you called me out on on the last podcast, and I was very grateful to you for. Uh, well, not in the moment, but uh, we launched Mastering Git, uh, and it didn't go great, if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, over the holidays, we basically 
we're flat a flat plus at this point across the holidays. Mm -hmm. uh, and considering that I launched a pretty major course, that's not awesome. Mm -hmm. Realistically, I imagine we would have been down. Otherwise, that you know inflated it a little bit, but that's that's not near where it should be. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing that I realized is I emailed 500 people about that. They were the 500 that opt to access that specifically opted into that course. But I have 10 to 14,000 other email addresses of people that have interacted with Upcase at some point, joined a newsletter, been a subscriber in the past, et cetera, et cetera, that I'm not communicating with. Mm -hmm. uh, so that needs to be fixed. And that's kind of the fundamental machine that I need to build, hmm. I've decided. Machine? Uh, in the sense of the next piece of, uh, the next trail that we release, there needs to be a ah. systematic plan of, I email this segment of the email list with this type of messaging. I email this segment with this. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, mm -hmm. everyone should be told about the next piece of content. And, What's nice is I don't consider this a complete loss because I can still go back and tell the people that I haven't told yet about Mastering Git. Yeah. Uh, and actually, on that note, literally just before walking in here, I just sent out an email to 4,471 of our users uh, with users? a... Uh, not users, actually, explicitly never subscribed. Gotcha. So I chose that segment of you've never subscribed, but you signed up for an, a newsletter. or something. Uh, it's a combination of sign up for the Upcase newsletter directly, the dream job drip campaign that we have on the homepage and other pages, yep. and auth access. So any of those are ways that you could have gotten into this uh, system, into our email list. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a 2016, hey, make this the year that you level up. Uh, and I tell a little bit of my story at the beginning. You know, I was I was learning on my own. And it sucked. So Upcase is the tool that I wanted. It's the resource that I wanted. We've worked really hard. Uh, also, uh, I enabled a few more courses to be free. So at this point, and any listeners that are interested, uh, Tmux, the first two videos are now free, and Test Driven Rails, the first three videos are free on top of Mastering Git and OnRamp, which are our four most popular courses overall. So the middle of the email says, hey, you can check out any of these, and the first few are free. So that's just a valuable thing, I think, to send to them. Uh, and then a coupon attached in that, and uh, we'll see. I have no idea how it's going to perform, mm -hmm. but this is me starting to try and think a little more systematically about the audience that we have and how I interact with them and how I, you know, keep in touch. Yeah, I mean, I think because you, we, you, I uh, didn't send much email to these people, I think it will not perform spectacularly. I agree. It's not like a warm list that is used to hearing from us that sees the emails and knows that they're typically valuable. Yep. Uh, sometimes every once in a while, it's a coupon or something. But yeah, I, I think all those email addresses uh, or being able to stay in touch with those people is going to be really valuable in the long term. Yep. But I think it's going to take you a little while to get, like call, call that list down yeah. to the people that actually want it. And when you send out a coupon to 4,000 people, like 200 of them sign up as yep. opposed to 10 or 20. So that's that's why I used the term machine a little bit earlier. Yep. Flywheel is the term yep. that we throw around that we got from Rob Walling. This feels like the thing that will be the long-term strategy that I can keep investing in and kind of keep stoking the fire. Uh, but it's going to take a while. And I totally agree that a lot of, you know, 4,471, I don't know, if I get a 0.2% conversion rate on that, that actually feels great, I think, considering the coldness of this list. But this is the first of many emails that I plan to send like this, uh, probably once every one to two months, something along the lines of here's the weekly iterations that we've just launched. Mm -hmm. We also launched this trail. We made this fun update to the site. Search is now better, something like that. Yeah. The, uh, the nice thing is with Upcase, you're constantly generating stuff that sure is likely am. to be interested to the people that have signed up or touched the site in the past, like those weekly iterations every week. Yeah. So there's a good catalog to pull from. Yep. And so the, the other thing that you just said that I think is uh, super important is 
this audience isn't necessarily used to us sending emails of high value. Right. The newsletter, which you primarily wrote, I think did hit on that a little bit better. It's like, here's some content, go check this out, go check this out. But we didn't have a way to show our content particularly well. Now with the ability to make certain videos free, every email I send will be some amount of content for free. It's, hey, we just made, and it's not an option now, but it's something I plan to do soon. I want to be able to make individual weekly iteration episodes available for all to access that mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then again, I send this email once every two months and on it is a free 30 minute video of the best of what we can pull together at ThoughtBot on a topic. Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel very good about sending those. Like there's no caveats in my brain of like, oh, this is kind of markety and spammy. I, I feel great about sending that content into the world mm -hmm. and knowing that that's how I feel about it. I think I'm hopeful. Cool. But it's going to be a long, long, slow process to build that up. And well, I'm then do it that. faster. Why has it got to be long and slow? Uh, well, like you said, like this group may not be used to this. So, you know, it's going to take two or three emails and I can't send those in the next week. And I have to build the content to email about. And uh, there are ways, like, for instance, I can email about mastering Git and I can say in it, first three videos are free. Check that out. Mm -hmm. So I can give value soon. I can do that. But then I don't have much to say for a little while, I think. I don't want to spam them in that sense. Well, I don't think you should. I mean, you don't want to spam them, obviously. But I think you could come up with a handful of emails in a week mm -hmm. and then have like throw those in the, the drip campaign and you know have something that's at least working. Yeah, I guess the other thing I do plan to do is restructure the Upcase newsletter. Yeah. Um, what's there, I think, is, is a great foundation, but we can add more. We can restructure it. Right now, it actually links out to Wistia for some of the videos, yep. Yep. which was a technological reality that remains until I fix that. But once I do, I can point those back into Upcase. Yeah. And all of that is kind of a reinvestment. So now anyone that ends up on this mailing list they'll get a sequence pretty early and then they'll get whatever else I, I send them. And so for them, they'll only experience a great sequence of valuable emails and that will hopefully prime them such that, you know, next year when I send this sort of email, that will perform better than this one. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what happens if you sent a couple, like wrote a couple good emails and sent them like just broadcast emails, not even the drip. Mm -hmm. Because when you have enough people, it's hard to write an email that makes less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. So it's like, that might be a really good use of your time. If you could send three emails over the next three weeks that mm -hmm. are each, each worth a grand, like that's, that's real money. And that sort of gets people in that like mindset, like, oh, there's great things that come out when yeah. Upcase emails me. I guess I do actually have some uh, latent kind of retroactive emails that I can send based on opening up Tmux and opening up Test Driven Rails. Mm -hmm. And I can write a good email about why those are both fun and useful technologies or workflows or what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, so actually, that, that's a good point that I sh can and should. Uh, I also need to fix the email list, though. The segmentation and kind of the data that we have on each user is not quite even. So being able to target and say, like, did you ever subscribe? I'm not super sure right now based mm. on the data I have in this system. So I got to clean that up a little bit. Uh, also, unsubscribes. We've got Intercom, we've got Upcase, we've got Whetstone, yeah, we've yeah. got Drip. All We have five different places that send emails, and unsubscribes can are not synced in any way. So mm. that, that hurts me personally. Mm. But yeah, good stuff there. Tons of work to do. I agree. I should move a little bit faster. Yeah. I, no, just, I think you're right on that. You're, like, you're the tools guy. Like You write <laughs> a Vim plugin every week anyway. Or like you do an interesting thing in terms yeah. of like your setup all the time. Yeah. And even if you did a five minute screencast or a 500 word mm -hmm. email, we're just like, hey, check this out. Yeah. Like, how do you write Markdown? Ha, that sucks. Look, here's how I write Markdown, <laughs> you idiot. Like, I just like, when I want to make like a heading, like I like hit the equal sign like underneath the thing a bunch of times until it's the same length as the, the heading I'm trying to make. And I know you don't do that. I sure don't. So like write a 300 word email that like talks about how you Markdown yeah. way better than everybody. 
Yeah, like, no, I, I think this is a, a great example of you and I as a team. Uh, <laughs> I end up on the, I gotta, I gotta tweak this and get it just right and perfect. And you are on the, let's get something out there. Let's get some people <laughs> looking at something. And I think the the optimal is somewhere in between. You're I trying won't, to say I'm not optimal? I'm saying neither of us is, <laughs> yeah, but somewhere in between the average, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think is great. And I like these conversations are super useful for pulling me back towards that. I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Like the perfect email sequence where, you know, everything unsubscribes from everywhere else and your list is segmented perfectly and yeah. you have, you know, six years of content that go out automatically. And yeah. sure, I mean, get there. But. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one small gripe I do have with Drip, though, is I really wanted to test this email per our conversation a few minutes ago, test all the things. There was not a good way to test this. I needed to, seg- to test what? Test any part of this email. You can test the subject line, right? Not with a broadcast email. Oh, interesting. You can test it on drip sequences, but you cannot test it uh, with a broadcast email. And really, I, I would have loved to have segment into like four buckets and try out four different variants of the subject or other things. Uh, but I, I can't really do that. Similarly, like with the newsletter, uh, I would love to be able to A-B test entire emails. So say this email and that email definitely and then they get either of these two and mm-hmm. compare them that sort of thing well so i bet they'll get there i assume i've even some new stuff showed up in like the past week so they're they're working hard mm-hmm. uh and i i like a lot of what they have in there and how you can segment the list and mm-hmm. you can use segments to build segments to build segments which i love that mm-hmm. recursion man it's everywhere cool well that sounds like a good uh, good session yeah good, i'm uh, good i feel i feel good about it yeah. hey, can i make a suggestion yeah rename trail to course <laughs> Because uh, you called them courses 60% of the time and trails 40% of the time. So I, I'll say yes. And my reason for saying yes is in every public facing thing that I write, uh, like I wrote the body of that email that I just sent. Mm-hmm. And in it, I said trail a bunch of times. And then I went back and copy edited each of those to course because no one knows what a trail is. Right. Uh, yeah. It's like a nice metaphor, but only if you're kind of expecting it. Yep. So yeah. like you, we, you and I were talking, we say the get course. Yep, most often trail just is just not as clear. I think it's just a little more a little more. This awkward. is true. Yeah. So maybe you should have never named. Tr- <laughs> I mean, done. the the uh, the the etymology of that actually is interesting. Etymo- etymology. Yeah. The origin is of the, the term for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it started. Yeah. I, nobody cares. This is this is inside baseball. But anyway, it, it's it came about indirectly. Well, so there is a thing that's interesting there, which is we had these old trails. The trails You're going into it. I tried to avoid this, <laughs> but it's it's a thing, man. Oh, we can also cut it if it's bad. Hi, Tom. Cut this if it's bad. The trails that we used to have were this very linear sequence with, and this was the most important. They were broken into skill levels, and they had a sense of completion. When you're done with beginner Git, you should be able to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And when we transitioned within Upcase to the trail system that we have now, which are much more courses, we lost that. And actually, a lot of that—that's kind of the most common complaint that I see—is there's no sense of cohesiveness or flow through the curriculum mm-hmm. that we have. It's mm-hmm. basically it's a bunch of courses, uh, and I agree with that totally. And I'm I'm thinking long and hard about how to fix that, mm-hmm. how to kind of reintroduce those ideas of prerequisites and what are you going to come out with and completions and kind of a flow to the content. But mm-hmm. yeah. But let's uh, let's wrap this up, Ben. Let's do it. All right. So here we have our questions. Let's rapid fire them. Uh, why is the product better for your customers than it was last week? Because if you add a public key, it doesn't take eight minutes. Yeah. Awesome. Also, I'll say some content. We've moved a bunch of content. Uh, it's interesting because it's for me, it's going to be a lot of incremental. Uh, we we've updated. We've you know made some outlines. Okay. But uh, it does move slowly, which is always interesting. So, so that's not shipped stuff. That's in it's not shipped. But I'm going to ship only so often, and I I can't be. 
I will hurt my soul if I try and hold myself accountable to shipping content every week. So, mm -hmm. uh, but content moved. I feel good about the number of people that I'm talking to and the stuff that's in progress. Cool. Uh, what have you done to acquire more customers since last week? Oh, a couple things. Uh, new checkout that will hopefully get us more subscriptions. That's going to hopefully improve conversions on that page and gives us a foundation for testing. Also, sending out a broadcast email, uh, and then you know hopefully working towards a more systematic use of the audience that we have. Interaction, not use. That's a terrible word. Interaction with our audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you What did you do well that you should repeat? Do well. Uh, gonna go with uh, delegation and outsourcing on content production. That's mm. that's going. It takes a lot of management. It takes a lot of kind of touch points with people. Mm -hmm. But it means that I'm freed up to do things uh, like the checkout change, like the email. Um, also, splitting up the checkout task, looking at it, figuring out why I was struggling with it, and finding a uh, eighty percent that I can get done, and doing that. Mm. Which is what you touched on earlier, is yeah. that I'm usually pushing that direction. So. Yep. Cool. What did you do poorly that you should reduce? What did I do poorly? Take too long to come to that decision and let that stifle other work. Mm. So I would be quote unquote working on the checkout for you know an hour or two and not much would move. Mm -hmm. And uh, getting a little more aggressive in noticing those lulls and output. If my hands are not kind of clacking around on the keyboard, something's probably not right, mm -hmm. at least you know for more than an hour or something like that. So. What do you hope to do by next time? By next time, we've got making auth to access work for weekly iterations. So those can be free. And that has that same kind of point email content back in. Mm -hmm. The analytics updates, the two of them, which are capture the exerciser, exerciser and uh, specify the guest versus sampler versus subscriber. And uh, lastly, we've got the weekly iteration recording next week. So we do four at a time. So on Wednesday morning, I believe is our current schedule, I'm going to record four weekly iterations. Get those in the can. Hmm. So that's the plan. I think you should do an A-B test where you, where half of your people that sign up, you don't publish any new weekly iterations and see what the churn rate is in that. It's fun from the other side of the aisle to just be able to make crazy testing. Uh, right? What sort of crazy tests can I tell you to do? Well, what, what if you didn't have to do the weekly iteration? What if Actually, you could publish it occasionally as opposed to every So I remember when I, when I took over the weekly iteration and I started doing it, it, it did feel like a slog and yep. um, like it was this treadmill and I had to try and keep up. I've since come around. I actually love the weekly iteration now. Nice. Uh, I've kind of tapped into a few different content sources that feel not evergreen, but deep, deep wells that I can, particularly ThoughtBot's open source. We don't have a, a lot of that on hmm. the weekly iteration, which seems weird. Also, that works for great marketing because if I can put a link to a video on the Factory Girl uh, readme, mm -hmm. that doesn't hurt. Yeah, um, definitely. So there's that. Also, I've just gotten to a place where I think that the weekly iteration is a great way to talk about smaller topics. There are things that don't fit into a bigger course, but that I want as part of the conversation on Upcase, mm -hmm. and that's what the weekly iteration is. So I've kind of fully 180'd on that. And Sounds like you're the right man for the Upcase job. Let's hope. Cool. Uh, what is your MRR? MRR. We were at... 32.659 as of the last one. So yeah, 32.7, let's call it. And we are now at 33 uh, even, let's call hey. it. So we picked up a couple hundred even across the bad times. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually pretty happy. That's uh, attributed to a number of teams because our user count actually went down during that, mm -hmm. uh, the paying subscribers. But picking up teams, each subscriber is thus worth a bit more because they're paying for a group of people. So MRR actually went up across the holidays despite otherwise lackluster signups, which makes me pretty happy. Cool. How about you? For your side of the aisle, uh, mm -hmm. why is FormKeep better for your customers than it was last week? Uh, I wish I had more to say here. I only have a little mm -hmm. thing, um, which is that if you have a form that has a bunch of checkboxes on it, we used to render the 
data that you would send us if you had like multiple values. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to render that pretty poorly, and now we render it nicely, and right. it's pretty obvious what's going on. That's about it this week, unfortunately. Okay. Will this coming week be filled with more product things, or do you see Probably more of not. This? Interesting. Probably. I remember when we structured these questions, I was a little hesitant about this one because I was like, I don't know that I'm going to make that many changes that fall into this bucket. I still think we should ask about it every week. I agree. Like the fact that it probably not is probably not the, a great answer. Probably. And next week, when you say that for two weeks, that'll probably put a pressure in your head. That and says, I think like, that's mm, good. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Right. I think there's basically traction and product improvements and the rest is kind of noise. And so like, if we can't say, the, that's why these questions are one and two. Is the product yeah. better? Have you, how, do you, how are you acquiring? And so I want to ask both. I'm into it. Next question. What have you done to acquire more customers since last week? Um, there's, uh, we touched on a bunch of this. Um, there's an audience ops blog post going live Monday. I have my own blog post, hopefully going live by next week. Uh, price economic stuff is going on basically just a bunch of, and the, and the guides, static site guides. So basically a, a bunch of content marketing, bunch of mostly ready, a bunch of mostly ready. So next week you're going to ship like crazy on this True. One. Yeah. So I've, this is what I've done. I have, I guess if you ask me what I've shipped to acquire more customers, not anything. I'll say it's it's interesting having this as a very firm backstop to the week. Uh -huh. like, yeah, yeah. I, I can't really count something if it didn't happen. And I was actually literally rushing to finish up the checkout thing and the email right before this. Yeah. And I think that's super valuable. So even if you don't have a podcast out there, <laughs> uh, pick a time and be super rigid about it. I've, yeah. I found it to be incredibly yeah. useful for having me. Having this has been useful. I, I, I think we should maybe rephrase this question to be like, what have you shipped to acquire right. more customers or something? Yeah. Because like the answer is basically to nothing. Right. The, yes, next there's a lot of stuff in great. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's important. I agree. It's nice to have that pressure to get a yeah. thing done by this podcast. And to treat shipping and actually having it out there with eyeballs on it. That That's the measure. So, right. So, yeah. of course, my answer to this is 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 nothing. It's, a, it's a qualified nothing. nothing. That's really good qualified nothing. But uh, it I don't is feel nothing. that bad about it, but also yeah. I think we should make it that. Yeah. What did you do well that you should repeat? Um, I've been pretty aggressive about bringing in other ThoughtBot people to help, mm -hmm. um, like with the Ember thing. Bringing in two developers is pretty nice. They can help like review each other's pull requests, which is great. There's been like good continuity of like handoffs because if there's two people working on it, I can and we lose one, I can bring in a new one and then get up to speed with that mm -hmm. existing person, which, which doesn't pull me off doing marketing stuff, which is nice. I also think I'm getting better at doing sales calls. I had a really great call with a prospect uh, who has a ton of forms and wants to have a ton more. Interesting. I, I'm surprised you didn't mention that earlier because yeah. I don't think you and I have talked at all about. No, calls, so. I should have mentioned that. Um, why don't we put that on like a like, talk about that later? Yeah. Um, but I'm getting better at it. I basically I've I went and uh, went through this book called Spin Selling, mm -hmm. which is a classic on how to sell well. Um, it's got a rough title, if you ask me. <laughs> it's an acronym. It, okay, Spin is an acronym. But I, I recorded it, uh, and I think I did a nice job. Maybe I should okay. publish that. That might be cool. But anyway, so I felt a lot better about how I'm getting it, talking to people about right. it. Uh, so that was good. So yeah, basically bring and then outsourcing, basically like right. I, I feel like I'm I'm getting thoughtbotters working on this. I'm getting outside companies working on on stuff. Like mm -hmm. I feel like I'm I'm doing a better job of like getting the troops marching in the right direction. Right. Uh, just to to come back to that briefly, I would love in a future episode to talk a bit more about medium touch outreach, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's on the medium horizon for me and uh, team plans. They're great. Uh, and doing a little bit of outreach to a, a little bit of active sales on that feels like a good investment of time. And so I'd love to talk about the approach that you have and, you know, all of that. But cool. we'll pick that up in the future. Yep. What did you do poorly that you should reduce? Um, the biggest thing that stood out to me actually is not getting in early. I am like physically into the physically office. into the office early. Mm -hmm. I am so much more productive if I get to the office yeah. at nine versus ten. Yep, like it's crazy. Like that hour, yeah, yeah. I can just I just crank through. I don't know what it is, but like especially, and then like eight versus nine is like another yes order of magnitude. Maybe. Yep. I think it's probably because no one's here. It's so quiet that like I and for whatever reason I'm just like well I made the effort to get here early. I want to be really productive for the morning. 
and I just crank through stuff then. I've noticed for me as well, energy is just fundamentally different in the morning. The morning totally. is kind of the, I can think better, I can push harder on like writing email copy is one of the hardest things in the world. I find mm -hmm. myself opening a Hacker News tab every three seconds when I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have to just kind of quiet that voice in my brain and my ability to do that in the morning, fundamentally different than the afternoon. The sort of tasks that fit into the morning are different or that are better done in the morning are different. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd like to work on that. All right. That's a big thing. What do you hope to do by next time? Finish setting up the blog, uh, publish two blog posts, mine and audience ops blog post, and also publish the remaining static site. So yes. your blog, the blog on FormKeep is not live currently? Correct. Okay. Yep. You're going to use a static site for that? <laughs> static site generator? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're using WordPress. Host WordPress. WordPress I hear such good things. Yeah. <laughs> what is your MRR? Up or down from last time? Uh, it is $4,816. It is up $6. Hey, yo. <laughs> Money in the back. Hey, that's recurring, though. That's so, $6 every month. Then. That's right. Exactly. Which over a year is almost $7. No, wait. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, we can attribute that primarily to the holidays. But so what? God, let's hope so. What would you like? What kind of thing makes sense for a week over week for you in a normal time? Um, so my goal for January is to add 300 in MRR total. Okay. So uh, you should see 75-ish so, by next week. Uh, more because we're already on January 7th. Okay. So if I want to hit my goal, I have three weeks from today. Okay. Basically. Uh, yeah, a little over three weeks. So about 100 bucks by next week. Right. We'll see. I'm hoping this content will trigger some of that, yep. or a lot of that, actually, I should say, and over the, the next few like months, like even more. Yeah, I would be careful with how much, like where you set your expectations on that, depending on if it comes out on Tuesday and we record shortly after that, the, these things take time to trickle out. Oh, for out. sure. So, yeah, 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 no, I, I don't expect it's going to be a one-day kind of thing. Yeah. I expect we're going to launch this stuff and no one will care, yep. and I'm going to do a ton of work to try to make some people care, and hmm. maybe if I do it right, we'll have some small amount of people care. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for your answers, Ben. Totally. Uh, thanks for the chat. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm. Thank you, as always, dear listeners, for listening.